are Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast. You're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day listening to who? The always wonderful and charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer. So please go check out my website, MillerThomas24.myportfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account. You know it's me when you see that blue check mark. Or, you know, not or, and go follow the Locked On Diamondback Show account. Just type it in on that Twitter or Instagram search bar, and I'm sure you'll find the account. Now, for today's show, We got to start off with, of course, the breaking news. Eduardo Escobar has been traded. This is the day we've all been waiting for, so we'll talk about that, the return. And then I want to do a little game where we make the case for some other D-backs players of why a contender should go after them. Uh, Basically, just doing a a pro case for each of the realistic Diamondbacks trade targets. What makes them valuable? What can they bring to a new team? So we'll do that in the second segment. And then we'll wrap up the show by talking about the first game of the series against the Texas Rangers, that 5-4 loss last night. So we got a lot to talk about today. But first, I want to talk to you guys about Spotify Greenroom because... This episode is brought to you by Spotify Greenroom. Download the app and join me this weekend as I'll go live after the D-backs win. Download the app to get in on the action with Spotify Greenroom. Now, let's jump right into the conversation because, whew, guys, 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 this was, guys and gals, I don't want to leave anyone out. This was a sad day. The D-backs have traded Eduardo Escobar. Fogo, Fogo Power is no longer with us. And he definitely lived up to the nickname this season. 22 home runs so far on the year. Top five in the National League. And his home run rate of 5.5% is the highest of his career. He's only at 3.2% at a home run rate. 5.5% this year, career high. Escobar has been flashing the power. And that's something the Brewers probably wanted in the middle of their lineup. Uh, We actually did a little segment I think it was on last week's show where I picked the best trade destinations for Eduardo Escobar. And I actually picked the Brewers as one of the teams because when I was looking up and down their lineup, they did not have a lot of guys with high OPSs. There's not a lot of big, you know, slugging guys in the middle of their lineup. Right now, the team, uh, the person leading the Brewers, that team in home runs is their right fielder, Afisel Garcia with 17. So Escobar's got a handful of home runs on him, but if you look up and down this uh, Brewers team, you got Garcia with the 17 home runs, which is nice. Navarez has a 832 OPS, 9 home runs, but again, he's only a catcher, so it's not like he's playing every day. Colton Wong, surprisingly, has an 830 OPS, 8 home runs, but he's a guy that's always injured on the IL. So Eduardo Escobar is going to add some much-needed power to that lineup despite only having a 778 OPS. His 478 slugging would actually rank number 2 
on the Milwaukee Brewers. So he will help out in that department, a true power hitting guy. And he gives you extra insurance in case a Colton Wong goes on the IL again. We know Escobar has played second base, third base for the D-backs. So he'll probably do that some with the Brewers. He might even play a little first base just because the Brewers have been loading up on talent the last couple of weeks. They acquired Willie Adamas, the shortstop, for his baseman, Rowdy Telez. They already have Colton Wong there. So Escobar is kind of in like a five-man position group with all those guys, but he's really the main dude that could play multiple positions in the infield. So I think we'll see that with Eduardo Escobar. But in return, the D-backs are going to get two players back from the Milwaukee Brewers, and that is Cooper Hummel and Alberto Ciprian. And I got to be honest, I absolutely hate this deal for the D-backs. I mean, I thought Escobar should have been traded because I think that was a smart move to do. You had to trade him. He was going to be a free agent at the end of the season, and you were going to lose him for nothing because there was... I don't think there was a real chance Escobar was going to come back this year. An awful team. Uh, I'm not sure what the chemistry issues are like, but we've seen him barking at a couple dudes like David Peralta in the clubhouse. Not sure who's to blame. If anyone's to blame, it could just be competitive juices flowing. But, you know, there's been a couple of things to notice when you watch him on the field. Doesn't look like this D-backs team has amazing chemistry despite those great dancing videos post-game, you know, in the post-game after the very few dubs the D-backs have this season so the D-backs get back two players and the reason I don't love this do uh love this deal is because the players they got back Cooper Hummel I guess he's the centerpiece maybe not but he's 26 years old everyone likes him it seems like but the issue is he's never played a major league game in his life at 26 he's been a catcher in the minors who can also play first and and, and a little bit of outfield he seems like a combination of a Paven Smith and a Dalton Varsho but the difference is he's more of a power hitter than a Paven Smith. So he might be stealing at bats from him. Maybe a few from Dalton Varsho as well. But we'll see if that power can translate to the major league level. And he's been a, a, a king at walking as well. A 25.5% walk rate compared to just 15.5% strikeout rate. So this guy knows how to get on base and knows how to not strike out, which is really nice. Combine that with the power. This guy does have some real offensive upside, but the problem is we've never seen him on the major league level. And I guarantee you, if he starts out in the in, in AAA with the Reno Aces, I guarantee you he will ball out because that's what everyone does on the Reno Aces. And then the other guy they acquired, Alberto Ciprian, seems like he has above average raw power, but the issue is the dude is 18 years old and playing in the Dominican League right now. We might not see this man for about seven years. So the D-backs got back two guys who, one is 26, never played on the major league level, so uh, seems like fool's gold there. And then Alberto Ciprian, seems like there's potential. It's a it's a dart at the dartboard, but we might not see him for, what, five to seven seasons? It's not like I have supreme confidence in the D-backs farm system either to develop him properly. So uh, it's not a great deal in terms of return, but glad to see Escobar going to a team that will use him properly. Not that the D-backs weren't using him properly, but at least the Brewers will now put him in a position to win games on a meaningful team with the chance of potentially taking home the World Series trophy because the Brewers do have that much talent, especially in that starting rotation. Escobar now adds some more power to the middle of that lineup. And even though the return was bad for Escobar, let's remember, 
when the D-backs traded for Escobar back in 2018 at the trade deadline, they gave up three minor leaguers who haven't panned out so far for the Twins. So this is basically a deal that you say, hey, we, we traded for Escobar and gave up nothing. Now we're trading away Escobar and giving up nothing. So even though I hate the return, I guess it's no harm, no foul, but Fogo power, we will miss you and we hope you ball out in Milwaukee and hopefully one day we'll face off against you in the playoffs. Now, we're going to be making the case for the other D-backs trade targets of why contenders should go after them. What value do they have? What kind of impact can they make? But before I get there, you guys need to go download Spotify Greenroom because this episode is brought to you by Greenroom. Greenroom is the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download, and once you're in, you can talk with me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time about your favorite team or sport. I'll be hosting rooms for Locked on Dimebacks once a week. Yes, you can finally join in on the conversation you listen to here every day. Go download the free Green Room app now, currently available on all iOS devices. Be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the MLB group for the latest league updates. Follow me, at Miller Thomas, to be notified when my room goes live. I know you won't want to miss it. I'm planning to be live this weekend after the D-backs win. I can't wait to hear everyone's thoughts on the D-backs. See you there. Green Room, changing the way we talk about sports. right let's get back into it and i got four names for you guys four players four d-backs who i think could be real targets at the deadline i'm going to tell you why i think a contender might want to go after them so the first one i'm going to start off with is fan favorite maybe the longest tenured player i gotta check the numbers but david peralta i think david peralta is a real trade target for someone because he is someone that is not expensive at all. David Peralta this season is only making a few million dollars. He's making 7.5 million, which is not at all a lot for a starting left fielder making seven and a half next year in 2022. He's not terribly old, 33. And I think the most appealing thing about David Peralta, why someone would want him is not just because he's a great locker room guy, not because he's a veteran presence, but because He's arguably a pretty clutch guy, one of the clutchest players in baseball. When you look at splits, when you look at runners in scoring position, the league average with runners in scoring position is 246 and a 747 OPS. This season for David Peralta, a 293 average, a 822 OPS with runners in scoring position. Nine walks to 17 strikeouts, so almost double strikeouts to walks, but not that many. 92 at-bats, only struck out 17 times. David Peralta is clutch, and he was clutch last year for the D-backs. He was good in that department as well. David Peralta can bring home the RBIs in a good offense. He has 44 this season, and that could have been more if he was on, you know, a productive offense. So for anybody that needs a left-handed bat that can play very good defense in left field, and a team like the Yankees we know needs another outfielder and a left-handed at-bat after they traded for a D-back in Tim LaCastro when he tore his ACL. Sad to see. We're still wishing you the best Tim LaCastro. But guy like David Peralta, why shouldn't teams go after him? Veteran presence, gold glove under his belt, 30 home run campaign under his belt, and he's not expensive at all. I think David Peralta could be a real value on any contender. 
The next guy I have for you, maybe not uh, not as sexy as the name. There we go with that word again. Sexy when talking about sports and athletes. And that is Asdrubal Cabrera. Now, Cabrera, the thing about him that teams are going to like, he's versatile. He's a switch hitter, and he can play multiple positions in the infield. But looking at his stat line, you might be a little scared. 243 average, 727 OPS, only five home runs. You're going to say, why should we trade for this guy that's probably an offensive liability? Well, I'm going to tell you it's because before he got hurt this year, back on May 13th, Asdrubal Cabrera was having a very solid season for the D-backs. On May 13th, the last day before he went on on an extended IL appearance, he was batting 289 with 866 OPS. This dude was actually balling out back on May 13th when the D-backs were balling out and winning games. But he went cold since coming back. He hasn't been able to hit a lot since coming back. But recently, it started to pick up for Jubal Cabrera. If you look at his last 13 games, he's 13 for 42. That is a 309 average over the course of 13 games. So Jubal Cabrera started the season hot. Then he got hurt. And now that he's coming back from injury, again, back to form, adjusting a little bit because he is 35, so it might take him a little bit more time to adjust than other players. But since he's been back the last 13 games, that bat is heating up. And for a guy that could play multiple positions in the infield, that could bat both against lefties and righty pitchers, I think he's someone that could be a real value for someone as well in your infield, especially being like a David Peralta, a very strong veteran presence. Now, the next guy, the thing, the guy who I believe might have the most value of any of the, the players we're going to name today, that is Merrill Kelly. I was talking about Merrill Kelly with Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call him Sully uh, on yesterday's pod because Merrill Kelly, surprisingly, is having a really good season. Despite his ERA sitting at about a 4.3, Merrill Kelly has been lights out over his last six starts. He's pitching around a 2.5 here, right? And Merrill Kelly back in 2020, I I was telling people, it was a real conversation those first four or five starts. Who was the best D-backs pitcher? Was it Zach Allen? Was it Merrill Kelly? That's how good he was last year before undergoing surgery. And I think that was part of the reason why his ERA is a 4.39 now because there was a point of the season where Merrill Kelly's ERA was in the fives, uh, maybe the sixes, and he just looked lost uh, out there on the mound. He was still going deep into ball games, but he was getting hit hard. Uh, his sinker wasn't working, and it seemed like Merrill Kelly was just a, a guy who was not long for the tooth for the D-backs. I was scared this guy might have been DFA'd if he wasn't so good at eating innings, but that didn't happen. The D-backs stuck with him because, one, he was one of the only healthy pitchers left in this rotation, but then he started to heat up over his last six starts, like I said, balling out, and like I said, also, he's an innings eater. That's the most valuable part about Merrill Kelly. doesn't matter how many hits, earned runs he's given up. He's going deep into the ball game Right now, Merrill Kelly is sitting at 8th in innings pitched in the National League. Number 3 is Brandon Woodruff at 126 innings pitched. Merrill Kelly has 123 innings pitched. So he's right there in the mix for the top leader in innings pitched in the National League. So a team like the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Mets, someone who needs to eat innings at the back end of your rotation, there's a ton of contenders that I believe should use a Merrill Kelly. He's on fire right now. You know he's going to go deep into the ball game, And he doesn't really walk, guys. A walks per nine of 2.0. You just know it's either going to be a weak round ball, potentially a strikeout, but he's not going to just 
go out there and walk someone. He's not really going to give up a home run. Only 1.2 home runs per nine, giving up 16 on the season over the course of 20 one start so Merrill Kelly I think is a high floor kind of guy maybe not a high ceiling he's not going to go out there and you know consistently go seven innings eight innings two earned runs but he can go consistently six seven innings if you want that it might be two earned runs it might be four earned runs maybe five but he's going to go deep into that ball game if you just need someone to eat innings in the regular season and stabilize the Number three, number four, number five spot in your rotation. I think Merrill Kelly is the perfect guy for the job. And then the last dude who I think can bring real value to a trade contender, to a contender who's looking to trade, is Joaquim Soria. And despite having a 4-4-5 ERA, uh, it, it's not fair to put that all on Soria. He's definitely had some bad outings, but he's also been injured. He's been in and out of the, you know, just the overall lineup. And now he seems to be healthy. He's been pitching better recently. And the D-backs are just never in save situations. So it's hard to have a closer who's never going to be able to have a chance to close games. So if he was in uh if he was on a contender he might pitch even better some dudes need the pressure they need the back against the wall they need to know what i do here it's going to directly affect today's win or loss and i think joaquin soria pitches better when he knows his team has a chance to win so even though he's 37 you're not going to find a more experienced guy like him for the back end of your bullpen so i like joaquin soria as a trade candidate for a contender as well now we're going to discuss and recap last night's D-backs loss to the Texas Rangers. But first, I want to talk to you guys about Built Bar because did you guys know Built Bar has so many delicious flavors? They got coconut, cherry barcia, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, cookies and cream, German chocolate. There's a flavor for everyone. And the reason why I love Built Bar is because it's healthy. I'm a health conscious guy. I'm going to the gym after I'm done with this pod, but... I have a sweet tooth, and Built Bar tricks me. I think that I'm eating a candy bar when in reality, I'm actually eating a protein bar that's low in calorie, low in sugar, but high in protein and high in fiber, so it's great for that keto diet. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCK15, you'll get 15% off your next order. Promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. Let's get back into it and let's discuss last night's D-backs game because it was one of those games, man. How many games are we going to have where we just walk away frustrated, bald because we pulled all the hair out of our head? Just too many games this season. And uh, just another one last night. You're just frustrated. I'm tired of watching this team. Let the season be over. But not just yet because we're going to miss baseball once it ends despite the D-backs being this bad. But last night... D-backs lose 5-4, and it was basically Joey Gallo, one-man show, because he started off the game throwing out Cole Calhoun, trying to stretch a single to a double. He later also threw out Ajubal Cabrera in the fourth inning when he got caught between first and second. And then Taylor Widener, he started off the game pretty bad, but he was able to escape through the first three innings. He left six men on base while the Rangers went 0 for 5 with runners in scoring position. So they were just helping out Widener a lot. But in the fourth inning, everything changed. The Rangers were getting to him. They were scoring runs. And then the inning was capitalized with a big Joey Gallo three-run home run. But guess what? 
I wasn't too mad about it. You know why? Because last night, if you guys check my Twitter, remember, go follow at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account or Lockdown Diamondbacks on both Twitter and Instagram. I tweeted from the D-backs show account, I believe. I tweeted my good friend Bryce Patrick that I was glad for him to see maybe the last home run of Joey Gallo's career in a Texas Rangers uniform. And guess what? That premonition I had came true. Joey Gallo today was traded to the New York Yankees. So guess what? For today's Rangers game, which is on right now because it's currently 7 o'clock at night, Joey Gallo will not be there for the Texas Rangers, but neither will Eduardo Escobar for the D-back. So we can at least call that a wash. Both of the teams lost their best power-hitting slugger in the middle of their lineup. But to continue last night's game, D-backs, after that home run, they make a comeback in the eighth inning just a little bit. They score two runs in the eighth. They get a little rally going. They were down 5-2. They're down 5-4. Runners at first and third. Two outs. A man I said contenders should go after as Jubal Cabrera up at the plate. And what happens? Fly out to right. Rally ends, and D-backs don't have another chance to score the rest of the game in the top of the ninth. Peralta strikeout, Young strikeout, Ahmed flyout. Game's over. Ian Candy picks up his 16th save this season, and the D-backs pick up their 71st loss of the year. They're now 71, or they're now 31 and 71, and they have to win somehow. They have to win 22 more games if they want to avoid the worst season in franchise history. I don't even have the math of what the record would have to be to go on that. Just do 162 minus 71, and that will tell you how many losses they need to avoid. But the D-backs last night, another frustrating loss as we've seen all season. Taylor Widener, I love this guy. This man was the ace to start the season, no doubt about it. Zach Gallen wasn't there. Madison Bumgarner looked like the 2020 version of himself. Merrill Kelly looked like he was back to pitching in another country. But there was Taylor Widener, balling out. He had like a two-something ERA through those first few starts. Then he went on the injured list. He's back now, but over Taylor Widener's last two starts... Haven't been able haven't been able to make it through five innings in either one and back-to-back starts where he's given up five earned run apiece. Walk five dudes last night, too. I mean, he was walking a tight rope through those first three innings, somehow coming away unscathed, but we just knew it wasn't gonna last the way he was pitching. And eventually, Joey Gallo got to him. Now, I want to see how tonight's game plays out. It's right now tied 2-2 in the middle of the seventh. So after I'm done with this podcast, I'm going to go finish up the game and watch it to see how it unfolds, to see if the D-backs can either give us a great win on a day where we traded Eduardo Escobar, Fogo Power, or is it going to be a day with more doom and gloom? Are the D-backs going to make the, not even a comeback, just pull off the victory? Or are they going to have another frustrating, devastating kind of loss uh, at least David Peralta hit a home run today to increase his trade value. But after seeing that package for Escobar, who was an all-star, uh, uh, we can't get our hopes up for anyone else in this uh, on this Diamondbacks roster in terms of getting a good return back. Maybe a Merrill Kelly because I think I think organizations value pitchers a little bit more, especially a guy who can go six innings at least in every start. But I just don't know anymore. When it comes to baseball, when it comes to trades, I don't know players' value. In basketball, uh, in basketball, I could kind of tell you 
what kind of value a player should be worth, what kind of package you should see. NFL too, it's a little bit easier in those sports. You kind of have precedence in those sports. But in baseball, you don't trade draft picks. You trade for prospects in random systems. You trade for prospects who are not even playing in America. Like It's random in baseball. The whole sport is random. The whole sport is fluky. So I'm not going to get my hopes up for any top prospects coming back. I just need more darts at the dartboard, more young guys. Give me more Cyprians. I don't like the deal that the D-backs got back for Escobar, but give me more guys who are 18 who might have a chance. I don't think a guy who's 26 never played on the major league level is going to make a huge impact on the D-backs when they eventually become a winning team. Now that's it for this edition of the Locked On Dimebacks podcast. Come back tomorrow. We're going to be talking more about the trade deadline. Of course, there is going to be more moves maybe made by the D-backs. If not, we'll at least react to other moves we've seen around the league, like Adam Frazier, Joey Gallo. We'll talk about that. Maybe I'll have the Lockdown Brewers guy on because I want to talk to him about the Escobar deal. We are, we are waiting for him to respond, so hopefully he hits me up. But that's it for this edition of the Locked On Dimebacks podcast. So remember, NBA draft go Chad Ford, Locked On NBA draft host Rafael Barlow, and Locked On NBA host John Corrales will be live this year covering the NBA draft. It's Locked On NBA Draft 2021 brought to you by Built Bar. Get local expert analysis on each pick. Follow Locked On NBA on YouTube today and watch our live coverage on July 29th at 7 p.m. Eastern time. And as always, stay safe and stay healthy, y'all. Deuces!